Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to the Voice of the Valley. It's good to be back in the podcasting room, and I am here with Andy. He is an elder here at Sun Valley Church, and it is good to see him face mask and all. Yeah, good to see you. (laughs) Andy, we've had, excuse me, we've had some conversations regarding work. Mm. We've talked a lot about work and what what it means as Christians Mm. uh, to be workers. Uh, Often this is referred to as the doctrine of vocation. Mm -hmm. I know it's a subject that you enjoy discussing. Mm. And uh, so can you take us back to the Reformation? Can you take us back 500 plus years and, and put us in the minds in the shoes of Martin Luther and how he viewed work in the doctrine of vocation. Yeah, it's a great topic and it's, and it's part of the reformation. I think that, um, doesn't get talked about a lot today because of a lot of other things that we've battled in the church, you know, so the scriptura, um, what is, what is the value of scripture and, and what is, uh, what are the means of salvation? But Luther had this big idea about the doctrine of vocation um, that was a major part of that split from the Catholic Church. And and the Catholic Church had this idea of vocation also. Um, and we need to really look at what vocation really meant at that time. And so the word vocation comes from this Latin word vocare, which means to summons or to call. And in modern English language, we typically think of vocation as someone's particular employment or their job. You know, some people are called to the professions like doctors or lawyers, and some are called to the trades, plumbers, electricians, people are called to academia. Um, but the original focus of the reform doctrine of vocation wasn't solely particularly on your job or your employment, but rather how you glorified job and your glorified God in whatever position he sovereignly puts you in. So very early on in the Reformation, Luther and the Reformers were battling this Roman Catholic position of vocation or calling, which, which, which said that only certain people were especially called to ministry. Hmm. People were called to be priests mm-hmm. or nuns or monks. They were called out of the world to be the... Um, holy people or the clergy. And so in the, in the Catholic mindset, there was two groups of people. There were those people who were called, and then there were those people who had no calling at all. Mm-hmm. So the Catholic Church was very specific to say, when you're called, you're a person who's called especially to the um, clergy. But like all things reform, the reformers looked at Scripture and, and looked at what the Bible taught about everyone being a part of this priesthood of all believers that Peter talks about. And Paul tells the Colossians and the Corinthians, generally speaking, no matter what you do, you can do that for the glory of God. And, and you know, Paul says, off your body is a living sacrifice, mm-hmm. holy and pleasing to God. Mm-hmm. And that gives us that notion that everyone is actually called um, to serve God, not just a particular uh, group of people. And Luther went on to categorize not even just employment, but he looked at every aspect of life, which was, you know, you hear about arenas of life. Well, mm-hmm. Luther had these three arenas that he talked about, the home, the state, uh, and the church. 
and everyone had a particular, not just a singular calling, but everybody had a particular call in each one of those arenas at life in life. And uh, he actually based a lot of his um, catechism on what you're supposed to do in those positions that God has actually mm-hmm. called you to. Um, but regarding employment specifically, because that's what the focus of this is about, uh, everyone in their employment has this opportunity to serve God and others, um, Luther, Luther taught. So one of the most basic areas that he talked about uh, in employment um, just looked at how God uses people in his provision and his providence, mm-hmm. right? And he said, so the, the farmer has been called by God um, as an instrument of his provision to produce wheat to provide daily bread for people. Mm-hmm. Um, God has called teachers, which is, and this was super important to Luther, God has called teachers to teach people how to read so that they can discern the will of God. Isn't, isn't that a God-glorifying vocation? Mm-hmm. Uh, to be called to the same thing with the physician, same thing with the military. Uh, the military were called as God's provision of protection. So they had a higher calling, no matter what your calling was in life, it was a higher calling because God placed you in that position mm. um, to serve others. And that's a beautiful thought, isn't it? Mm. And we don't think about our employment that way, mm. do we? No. No. And, 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 and the backing of it all comes through scripture. Mm. It all comes from scripture, um, as, as Luther picked this apart. Um, so, so how is it, how are other ways that people in their employment could be serving God and serving others, ministering to them? Well, you can be, Luther said, you could be praying for the people that you're with all the time. You're interceding because you're part of the priesthood of all believers. Mm. You have the opportunity to intercede for other people in prayer. Yeah. Um, you have the opportunity to share gospel truths and glorify God in worship mm-hmm. in the employment that you're in. Mm-hmm. And, and this was so antithetical to what the Catholic Church was teaching at that time because these were positions that only the priest could actually fill. Right. Um, and so it, it, um, it, it offered this view of people's lives that were rather mundane in that here's the clergy, they're the holy people, they're the ones that get to spend time with God and serve God all the time, to this beautiful picture of, hey, in my everyday life, right. I serve God in all kinds of ways. Right. right. So uh, I'm going to go off script here a little bit, Andy. Um, so for my generation and younger generations, we don't we don't have this understanding of a calling. Mm. Um so we we view a job as something to do and not as a fulfillment of what God yeah. has called us to be. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like within my generation that we view work as just kind of a stepping stone to something else. Sure. Um, how would how would Luther respond, and how would you respond to this idea that like? Well, maybe God has actually called me to be a plumber for life, or God has actually called me to be a nurse for life, or God has actually called me to be this to his glory. Well, I'm going to go off script from my notes because you went off script for your question. (laughs) And so you may want to edit this out by the time we get done. But, But I think it really crawls back. It really crawls back to Galatians 2.20. 
Okay. Ultimately. Yeah. I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Yeah. Okay. And so let's say you're the, let's say you're the peasant in uh, the 16th century mm. who has no idea that that even exists, right? That idea that Christ lives in me mm-hmm. doesn't even exist. And then somebody says, well, yeah, Christ, actually, you've been crucified. And now you have a new life. And the purpose of your new life in every step, no matter where you're put, is to glorify God yeah. right there. And I think a lot of Christians compartmentalize employment so easily. And we're gonna, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more mm-hmm. in a little bit. They compartmentalize employment as a part of their life. And equally, they compartmentalize their faith hmm. as a part of their life. Yeah. And and they and 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 I'm talking to a student group, uh, a student group, uh, university student group next week about this very topic hmm. because this question comes up over and over and over. How do I integrate Christianity into the rest of my life? That's the wrong question. Yeah. The question is, Christianity is my life. How does that play out in everything that I do? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 The Bible teaches I'm a Christian and my Christianity should just exude mm-hmm. every area of my life. And that's what, that's what Luther was talking about. Mm-hmm. He said, so how are you a Christian in the a vocation is a question of how am I a Christian in the home? How am I a Christian? How am I a minister in the home? Well, here's a, here's a great one. I'm a husband. And Paul told the Ephesian church, husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church. And if Christ wasn't a minister to the church, I don't know who was. And we're called as husbands to be ministers to our wives and sacrifice for our wives. Um, And so when we actually think of ourselves totally as not just Christians in a generic sense, in a compartmental sense. Sure. But this is this is not just an and it's not just an identity. It's not just an identity. It is mm-hmm. we are perfused with the Holy Spirit. We're a brand new creation. Mm-hmm. And we're a creation that has a purpose. And that is to glorify God in every single thing that we do mm-hmm. and where He has put us at this particular time. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think we, uh, I don't think we teach that enough. Mm-hmm. And we're inundated with a cultural evangelical America that um, has maybe inadvertently separated off our Christianity in an identity that isn't always centered on who Christ is in our lives. And and so Paul told the told the Thessalonians, he said. He said, this is God's will in your life. And how many times do you hear that question? What's God's will in my life? Yeah, right. What's God's will in my life? Mm. What is God's will in my life? And Paul said it so simply. This is God's will. Your sanctification. Mm. And, and in that saying, your sanctification, he means God's will in your life is to look more and more and more and more like Christ mm-hmm. in every situation that you're in. Mm-hmm including your job, mm-hmm. the current job that you have, yeah. not the one down the road. Yeah. Faithfulness where you've been placed, 
not saying I can't wait to get to that place where I get the chance to really shine for Christ. That's coming down the road. It's you're there. Yeah. (laughs) You're, you've been placed there. That's Luther's point. Yeah. You've been placed there now. Right. Right. Now where it could be really hard to do it. Yeah. It can be very difficult. Yeah. Once again, isn't that Christ likeness? Mm -hmm. Christ's ministry on this planet was not easy. Yep. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I think of, as you were just talking, I was thinking of, of Joseph mm. and his, you know, he's faithful in in the service to Potiphar. Yeah. And then he went to prison. Right. And he was faithful in prison. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. And 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 we've we've walked away from the examples of Scripture to listen more to the examples of men even in the Christian community that says, yeah, well, you know, we should all be, we should all go out and do something great for, we need to go out and do something great for Christ, Mm -hmm. which I'm all for. Figure out how to do it where you're at right now before you decide you have to go down the road and do it. Yeah. Because you're going to run into just as many challenges down the road. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And it's a, it's a lesson that Kelly and I have had to learn because we've been through that process of, okay, we're Christians. What's this supposed to look like? Yeah. And we've looked at the extreme and said, oh, we're going to go do the extreme, right? And then we looked at the extreme and we found out, well, we're not following the vocation that we're in where we're at. Yeah, right. What makes me think that we're going to do it in the extreme? Yep. And then as we have learned over time, okay, this is what it means to be faithful in this position, in this particular vocation. As husband, wife, business owner, yeah. um, leader in church, uh, evangelist to my employees, my clients, as we've learned to be faithful in that, all of a sudden it's looked like, oh, okay, we can do that wherever we go. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's 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 the that's the talk. You just I just gave you my talk <laughs> that I give to um, college students yeah. right now, yeah. people who really want to be faithful to Christ. And I love them. I love them. They say, I've got this new college degree. I'm going to go out in the world. I want to be really faithful to Christ. But I also want to be a mother or a father or, a, or this or that or the other thing. And I say, yep, that's awesome. You can be faithful to Christ in every one of those mm-hmm. positions that he's placed you in now. I mean, Paul told the slaves, he said, be, you know, be content, be content with where you are, be faithful where you are. But if you get the opportunity to move ahead, certainly go ahead and do that. But don't think that the moving ahead is the end goal because the end goal is faithfulness exactly where you are. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's Luther's, Luther's point. And, and we've lost that. Right. Uh, we've lost that in our in our love for the Reformation. We've really lost that. And and you've just pointed out the trickle down effect mm-hmm. of that. Well, it se- it seems like the American the American dream has has taken over gospel faithfulness. Yeah. That's it. Seems like the American dream has just trumped what Scripture actually teaches is faithfulness. Yeah, and I think also the the even the zealous movement of people for Christ mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. somewhat uh trumped it because 
unless, and I, I mean, you've got a question about that, unless you're doing this specific thing for Christ, then you're actually not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that if I was a stay-at-home mom and somebody told me that, that would lead me to some degree of uh, despair, mm-hmm. some degree of... Um, feeling like I could not be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Luther called mothers, being a mother, one of the greatest vocations. Yeah, It's an awesome vocation. Yeah. God's put you in that position to actually raise up children yeah. for Christ's likeness. Yeah. Oh, is there, what other important vocations are there? Yeah. Um, so I, I think... I think if we spent a little more time thinking about this, uh, we would have a little more, we had a little less discontent mm-hmm. in the church as far as people who really want to serve Christ and just have them realize um, when you follow, when you follow the, the, the love one another's in the Bible, when you follow the wives, respect your husbands in the Bible, um, when you follow the do whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. When you follow them, you're in ministry. Yeah. You're serving. Yeah. You are serving. There are just particular people who are called to a vocation of ministry mm-hmm. that have that special calling, but that's, that's no less of a calling than you as a mother, mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah. That was, that was the point of the reformation. Yeah. Um, position yeah. on that well and, and paul makes that point in in ephesians chapter three or three is it chapter three when he says you know god has given us pastors and four. elders and teachers yeah. ephesians four. for equipping the saints, saints. to do the ministry, ministry. That's exactly, <laughs> yeah that's exactly right and um i bring that up i bring that up with these students mm-hmm. and, and that comes back to are you a part of a church because that is one of the arenas of life that you have been called to yeah and part of that arena of life is um, is to love the one another's in the church, and we need um, you need to be, need to have someone in front of you who's who's showing you what it actually means to fulfill faithfulness in service that God has given you in every one of the vocations that we have in life. And doing that outside the church is not possible, and doing it outside of a, a an unfaithful church. Is dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or doing it within an unfaithful church yeah. is dangerous. Yeah. Good, Chris. Good question. So, uh, Peter talks about this idea of of being ministers of the gospel. Uh, I'll, I'll read this passage, and this is something that we kind of we just hinted on, uh, but maybe you can dive into it a little bit more. So, First Peter chapter two nine and ten. I think this is a passage that we know pretty well. It says, "But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for your His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." So you just mentioned this idea. Uh, back in the Reformation where the Catholic Church was was kind of beating in this idea that if you're not in the ministry, your work is meaningless. Uh, and that's that's obviously an idea that's still very prevalent yeah, in, in sure. Christianity today. Yeah. Um, how do these passages, how do these passages show us that 
we actually don't have to be in full-time ministry to be doing the work of the Lord. Yeah. And, and, and just, just to dovetail, we talked about Luther and Calvin who had a little different take on this, but not much. Um, Peter's battling the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. He's, he's talking, he's trying, he's trying to convince people who see, who have seen Israel as the holy nation, right? And the Levites as the only people who can serve God. And this is his response to that idea that Israel is the holy nation and the Levites are the people that actually serve God specifically in the temple. And he's saying now in Christ, now in Christ, we have no more need for the priesthood, Mm -hmm. right? So who are the priests? Everybody's the priest, Mm -hmm. which is what Luther was talking about. Now everybody does that. Um, And, and we're, we've actually been called specifically for that particular purpose. You know, we think of our salvation a lot of times as just, uh, as just our, um, uh, the means of our eventual destiny. You know, we're going to go to heaven. But we've actually been called to be a part of this um, um, church-wide movement that is a part of ministry in every area of life to everyone that you have um, connection with, especially in those arenas. And that word proclaim that Peter uses here is a public, that's a public statement. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, and I'm, I'm no Greek scholar. Actually, you are. You've had Greek, <laughs> but um, I'm no Greek scholar. But the word is actually to um, meant to show someone something that they were otherwise unaware of. Mm. The proclamation is not just of, of um, a truth, but it's actually a proclamation of something that you know someone else doesn't know. Mm. People don't know the excellencies of God. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to proclaim that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to proclaim that uh, in as the priest did Everything I do is a proclamation of the glory of God in the practices that I do. And then in the speech that I give is going to be a proclamation of that Mm -hmm. also. And so um, people have been saved for that particular purpose. Mm -hmm. So again, you go back to what's what's God's will in my life? Here it is. You're supposed to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Are you doing that? Mm -hmm. And are you doing that in every arena life that you've put it in to your kids, to your coworkers, to other people uh, that you know of who are struggling, friends, neighbors? Um, Are you really doing that? Now, Andy, does that, does that, does that result from, does that result from um, viewing work as a curse uh, the thought of, uh, for instance, this morning, Charlie and I, Charlie want, wanted me to play with cars with him yeah. and, uh, said, you know, dad can you come play cars with me. And I said, buddy, I got to go to work. He said, I don't want you to go to work. Mm. And I said, I, <laughs> to be honest, I don't really want to go to work either, buddy. <laughs> um, uh, and so I think so often that seems to be our thought of, mm. of, I just, I don't want to go to work. Yeah. I would, I'd rather, you know, be on a perpetual vacation. Right. Um, it is, is this idea of being faithful in, 
uh, our areas of work, our, our vocations, um, is, is that hindered by our thought that like, this is a curse. Right. Um, right. this is not how it's supposed to be. Right. Uh, what, I mean, what's, what's your thought process on, on that? My first, my first thought, uh, just as you asked it that particular way is you should listen to John Schubert's messages on contentment. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. First, because that is a, that's a major point of that. Yeah. The, the, the view that work is a burden or a curse is a very unbiblical view. Hmm. Um, How so? Well, I, one of my favorite passages in Genesis is um, the writer says that there was no, there was no tilled plant life because God had not sent the rain nor put the man hmm. there to work the land. Hmm. That's a paraphrase. That's a bad paraphrase. That's a paraphrase. <laughs> and so God had it in mind before he even produced Adam, before Adam was even created. Mm-hmm. He had it in mind that Adam was going to have this job and he was going to till ground and and actually have this this these plants be cultivated Mm. and and because god is not a man uh, god is not a is not a being who thinks last minute i mean this is a this is an eternal idea yeah right i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna create man and man is going to work Mm -hmm. and because that happened before the fall um and we get to the last day of creation and god looked at everything and it was it was very good we know that work is actually a good thing, um, and and it has its intent. It has a lot of intent. We can talk about just the the whole background of work. We know God is a God that works, mm-hmm. right? God upholds the universe, right? Yeah. As we speak, yeah, that's work. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is sanctifying us. You want to talk about a job? I would not want. <laughs> is to be the Holy Spirit to have to live inside of all Christians and going through that process of sanctifying us. You want to talk about a job. Yeah. Christ Christ is interceding for us all the time. Christ came and did the work of the Father. I came to do the I came to do the will of my Father. This is my job that I have. I came to do the will of my Father. God is a God who works. Yeah. Work, and therefore work is is a good thing. Yeah. And so, so why is work viewed as a curse? Well, it's like everything else. <laughs> it's, it's sin laden now. And I, and I think part of the biggest part of the sin ladenness of it is not like work is inherently evil, which is how we look at it. Right. Work is inherently evil. Our perspective of work is sin mm-hmm. tainted. Mm-hmm. Like we just, we've been talking about. Um, you know, work is a necessary evil. I have to work so that I can make money. Yep. I have to work. Um, I have to work so I can support my family. You know, I have to do these things for this purpose and work is a gift. And and I would say that if your perspective on work is, as a necessary evil, you probably need to confess that. Mm -hmm as a sin because work is a gift mm-hmm. and it, and it's a reflection of our image of God, who we are in our image of God, because God is a God who works. Um, it's a, oh, 
to say that it's not a gift is an insult on the good thing that God has given us. Work is intended to be a blessing for other people. And when we say we don't want to do our jobs, we basically want to say, I don't want to bless other people with the vocation that God has given me today. Our work becomes our self-centered idea of, yeah, it's hard. I don't get paid enough. Uh, My boss is hard to deal with. Um, It's almost like we've been given carte blanche in our lives to be able to um, speak about work that way. Now, if we went to our homes and we said, yeah, my wife is difficult, you know, and my kids are hard to get along with, we would have, we would have pastors in our church that say, Hey, you know, there's a problem here. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there's equally a problem when we look at our jobs and say that they're a curse and sure. a burden Sure. Uh, because God has called us, literally called us to those positions. You know, Paul, Paul told the Colossians, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, (laughs) as for the Lord, Mm -hmm. and not for men. Um, Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. When you work, and he says this, when you work, you are serving the Lord Christ. And he's talking to slaves. And, you know, the context of that is he's saying this to slaves, work hard for your employers. Yeah. Um, so when we, when we, when we space out this idea that God has sovereignly put us in positions to minister, um, and where is that? Let me think about that for a second. God is, it's, uh, first Corinthians seven, 17, first Corinthians seven, 17, um, that um, live a life faithful in that place where God has called you, Paul mm. says. And again, that's a paraphrase, but he's he's saying God has called you to live faithfully in this particular place. Mm. Um, when we when we say our work is um, excluded from that, uh, we've once again compartmentalized a part of life that God has included under this this beautiful salvation we've received to serve him and others, love him and others in all sorts of ways. And just, and I think in the day and age that we have right now where people are out of work, I think some of the realizations of being out of work are coming into fruition right now. We're seeing people who would have said, you know, I'd be great if I didn't have to work this job. And now that they don't work that job, they're, they're actually feeling what the sense of not having meaningful employment, and we're just talking about you know, employment work, what it actually is is a part of our um, identity mm-hmm. to actually be creatures who are supposed to have jobs mm-hmm. and do things uh, meaningfully. And, and, and to think about the impact where people are unemployed, what impact that has on other people, which is truly supposed to be a blessing and a service to other people when you do your job. Mm -hmm. And again, we can just sit back right now in our day and age right now and look at, well, this is what happens um, when this person isn't at their job. All of a sudden, these people are not blessed. Yeah. 
Um, we don't have the interac interaction with people to actually step out and, and share those excellencies, which, you know, for me has become just a wonderful part of my job is to be able to, to, to be able to share with somebody, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, look at how this horse is put together. This yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, let's talk about creation for a yeah. little bit. Let's talk about intelligent design for a little bit. Yeah. And um, how that points to God. That was windy. So there's, I, th I think there's two sides to the coin. There's the side that, you know, people view work as a curse. Um, and we can almost become lazy Mm. in the sense like like the Thessalonican church where people just became lazy well the right. lord's going to return so it right. doesn't really matter right yeah um and then there's the other side where people can become workaholics right uh there's I, and I know there's our church is full of people who are hard workers and <laughs> you know that I know that I mean we can just look out into the congregation we can just see people who work hard yeah um how do how do you prevent becoming obsessed with your work or your identity is your work. Yeah. And, and that really comes back again. It comes back to who are you? Mm -hmm. And I've read some pretty decent books on work and, um, Christian work, work in life. Gene Veith wrote a really good book called God at work that I'd recommend for people to read. Um, chapter one is almost always about identity. <laughs> who am I? Mm -hmm. Who am I and what's my purpose? And where has God placed me? And um, workaholism, which I have been a product of personally, I had to work, I had to work through workaholism myself, mm -hmm. is seeing the idolatry of who I am. Because it is so easy to, and it's, you know, in some, in some of the professions, it's, it's you know, the God syndrome. You know, if I'm not here, these things won't happen. Sure, sure. Um, uh, it is the, um, I get my total joy, my fix out of people patting me on the back mm -hmm. and saying, oh, awesome job. And that's one of the struggles that I know at least husbands go through is when they go home, their wife isn't patting them on the back like their employees <laughs> did or their, their coworkers did yeah. all through the day. Right. Uh, I don't get that kind of gratitude at home. Um, I'm going to enjoy work so much more right. because self is fed there. And so it's very easy for your job to be um, an idol. Once again, it goes back to, so why do we have work? Our work is not about us. Yeah. <laughs> Our work has never been about us. Our work was designed to be a reflection of the image of God. And it's been um, a, and John Piper would probably argue with this, and I'll probably come back through a John Piper argument for this. But our work is supposed to be a reflection of our image of God, and it's supposed to be a way for us to, through the um, cultural mandate, for us to care for God's creation and for to care for one another. Yeah. That's why it's there. Now, the Piper twist to that would be, that's what our joy will be in, in our work, ultimately. Our true joy will be in how we glorify God in our jobs. Mm -hmm. Any joy that we get outside of our jobs that ultimately doesn't go back to how God is glorified in it, um, it that's when it starts to become an idol. Yeah. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I've been through it. I've been through it, and I know a lot of the people have been through it. My my particular profession, it's super common. Uh, I think the medical professions in general, it can be super common in mm-hmm. lawyers, but um, I mean, even laborers who just love to get things done, they have that creative drive that God gave yeah. them, but that creative drive becomes the goal of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, and that's when it becomes an idol. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. <laughs> so I want to, I want to finish here, Andy. I know we've gone over time, but I think this is a <laughs> typical, <laughs> I think this is typical. Uh, one that obviously hits closer to home in the sense of, you know, during COVID during this time, there's been people who have lost their jobs. Right. Uh, there's been people who've lost their jobs within the church. Yeah. Um, how would you encourage those people, you know, those who have, who may have lost their jobs, those who may not even be at work still, yeah. uh, still working from home or whatever? How would you how would you encourage the people of Sun Valley Church who may be going through that? So, well, we just talked about briefly about understanding the value of your work in the context where it should be of value and that's serving people. And, and so you can step back and appreciate how valuable your job actually is when you don't have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's that ultimately that's where that should come around and understand the gift that your job truly is and understand how, how God has skilled you, um, and put you in the position that you're in. And some people are using this opportunity to say, well, you know, maybe, maybe this is the time where God's calling me to do something else. Mm-hmm. And it very well could be mm-hmm. very well. This could be the sign that says, well, yeah, maybe you're called to do something else, but this, I know for sure you have other vocations other than your employment right now. Also mm-hmm. that, um, God has actually given you some time to work in that you can still work in. Now we're still in stage one point, I don't know, three, six or whatever we're in, in the state right now. But, um, your vocation within the church is still fulfillable Yeah. right now. Yeah. Take the time to do that. Yeah. Call brothers and sisters in the church, chat with them. Uh, I've been doing, I've been doing Skype, um, book studies with people, which has been really fun. Um, yeah, we don't get to sit face to face. Uh, we could now, I guess we could sit outside and do it now, but, um, there's that, okay, I have time to do that. So why don't I fulfill that vocation that I have within the church? Mm. Um, Kelly and I've had a wonderful summer together. Um, I've done a, a, probably a better job fulfilling my vocation as a husband Mm. this year and learning more about what it means to think about that because I haven't had distractions of doing other things. So, um, your service to God has not stopped, even though your employment has stopped and you can still find fulfillment. You can still find fulfillment in that. Um, and I think again, going back to John's sermon, it's like, so let's look at contentment. What does contentment look like? And let's go back to Philippians four and look at that and, and, um, and look at 10 through 19 and, and understand what it means to be content in any position at all, because you can uh, 
focus more on Christ and who Christ is at this time when you don't have those distractions. But I do, my heart goes out to people. It's one of the most, can be one of the most crushing things is, you know, I've lost my job, which means I've lost my employment, which means also to some degree I've lost my identity. Sure. And, and I think it's an opportunity to kind of reset um, and think about all the other things that God would also have you do in this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. (laughs) Well, Andy, it's always a pleasure talking with you and talking on the subject of work. (laughs) Well, Church, I hope this has been a time of encouragement for you as you think through what it means to find your identity in Christ and as you work in your labors. Uh, We look forward to being with you next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.